Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Another great episode from Deadly Class. As we move into episode two, we're introduced to Shabnam, another character whose name I'm going to be saying and feeling bad about saying on air, but we're going to talk about him. We got some new intrigue with Saya and Lynn, and Marcus is dealing with a lot of fallout, but let me tell you, do any of you guys have $20,000 I can borrow? Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. You know what? Let me check my wallet. I'm pretty sure I do have money for you. Thank you. I will need that after the show. Hey guys, <laughs> welcome to the Deadly Class After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. If you haven't, go ahead and follow AfterBuzz TV on all social media at AfterBuzz TV. We're talking about Season 1, Episode 2, Noise, Noise, Noise. We're going to be talking about the Poison Trial, Maria and Chico, some Shabnam goodness. Mm-hmm. Anyone voting for him for class president? I'm sure. like Shabnam. He told you he's yeah. going to win whether you vote for him or not because that's politics, baby. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about Billy and Petra, some Willie action, Sia and Lynn Marcus, and then let's all say the name at the fir- at the same time because we know this episode is going to be explicit with this character. Fuckface. Fuck yep. Uh, this podcast is now explicit from here on out because there is a character named Fuckface. Can't get around that. You Can't cannot. Mm-hmm. And, and if you say F face, it's just face. <laughs> it's actually harder to say face. 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 We'll go with that. So before we get into it, I'm your host, Steve Lemieux. Uh, joining me tonight is the panel for Deadly Class here. I have Raven French. Hello, guys. Welcome. Angelica Trey. Hello. And Welcome. Veronica Valencia. Hello. We're going to be breaking it all down, but first, I want to know the overall thoughts for the episode. Go ahead, Veronica. What did you think? Mm-hmm. I would say that this was the episode I was kind of more so waiting for, just because... They had re- sci-fi obviously released the first episode, and I had previously saw it before that, so I kind of already knew what I was getting into with the first episode. The second episode, I had no idea, so I was super excited, and honestly, I had a really good time with this one. So I really enjoyed this episode. It had a lot of things I really liked, um, you know, just kind of going away from the pilot where we were introduced to everybody. This one had parties, it had drugs, it had everything, and just watching all the characters interact and uh, watching, you know, Marcus sort of uh, deal with some stuff. So it was cool. Yeah. I enjoyed the show as well. Had a lot of, like, <gasps> moments, and I like that we're starting <laughs> to get the backstories so that things can make a little more sense to me, so... I liked it. I think what's interesting about this episode is it really kind of nails down the point of the tone of the show. Uh, In that, you know, walking into this show, I didn't know what to expect in terms of, like, is it going to be all Hunger Games and everyone have to kill each other? And this episode really just nailed down. It's it's just high schoolers. Mm -hmm. It's just high schoolers that, like, have... Revenge stories and powerful families. And it felt a little Hunger Games at the beginning. It yeah. did. A little bit. <laughs> With and that poison. That is a good segue into our first topic, which is the poison trial. Were you guys expecting anything like this right off the bat? Because I wasn't. Yes. No. <laughs> I didn't, but I, I was pleasantly surprised. 
I I don't expect anything less, honestly, at this point. Like, the show is just crazy. So do we expect uh, the staff to be a little bit mean to the kids a lot of the time? Because this seemed a little bit... Yes. Well, that poison teacher seemed kind of friendly, honestly. Henry Rollins is a very nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) He was talking about beans and how they can poison people. And Reagan. Was he talking about ricin? (laughs) I think it was ricin. Talking about all sorts of different things. All kinds of things. I love that it's just all about killing people. And as we saw in the first episode, it's the Anarchist Cookbook is kind of one of their textbooks. And this is an actual book that has been banned in America, but you can still find it online. And it has basically all what? these recipes for poisons, poisons, bombs, homemade bombs, ways to kill people. Steven, do you have to tell us something? I know. So I'm publishing a new book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go down your browser history. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so the interesting thing that we're introduced to with the poison trial, there's two key takeaways. And one is that Lynn, now knowing the end of the episode, Lynn did not know at this point that Willie did not kill the the guy Rory, last Rory. Mm-hmm. He, he did not at this point he did not know this so this wasn't an intimidation tactic through Lynn which originally I thought he already knew so I thought this was an intimidation tactic but it wasn't but what we also saw is the big moment where Maria decides to give the antidote to Chico after much debate in her mind what did you all think of this moment hmm. should have definitely killed him <laughs> I was disappointed, and obviously going, you know, later on into that relationship was, uh, you know, it's just, it's building tensions, and it seems like a little bit of a love-hate thing going on here. Not sure why Maria did it, but, you know, it's love. Maybe. Maybe. Can I say that after this episode? Question mark? I don't know. It's, uh, what was I? Mm. It's you can clearly tell that Maria wants out of this relationship. However, she is scared to death of Chico, and I think that's very obvious. And I think although it would be easy, yes, to have not saved him, it's also very dangerous for her because Chico comes from a very powerful group of people, and I'm sure I'm sure anyone at the school if something had happened to their loved one, people would be coming after people. It's all about revenge. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. she can take the easy way out and easily have not given him the antidote, but I think she wants to try and get rid of him in the way that she kind of hinted at last episode, which was get someone else to do it so it's not on her hands. Right. And they were being watched. Weren't they being watched? You would assume, yeah. We had the camera with with Lynn watching, and then we had the robes, the monked robes, who came from the set of Killjoys, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone watches Killjoys. Um, What I'm interested in knowing is, one, does Maria know that the people would have saved him anyway, had she not given him the antidote? And two, what I need to kind of figure out, which will probably take an episode more or two to figure out kind of the basis, is is this are everyone in this school first years or are people in this school for multiple years? Is it a normal four year high school and Chico's like a senior and like uh, Brandy is like a junior and Saya's a junior and now we're introduced to Marcus as a freshman, but he's in AP, cl- AP classes, so he's with the upperclassmen. That's kind of what I don't know at this point because I don't know how much the characters should be expecting these situations. Does that make sense? They seemed yeah. all very surprised by being locked in this hallway as if it was the first time it's they ever did. happened to any of them. Yeah. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if this is all, they're all first years and there's only one year of deadly class and he's just, Marcus is just being thrown into this later in the semester. What do you guys think? Well, I was going to say, if this helps put it in perspective, it might not. I believe 
uh, again, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe in reading the comics, Marcus starts out f- at 14 when he okay. enters King's Dominion. So technically, I guess what you would be a freshman, right. 14 going on 15 as a freshman. Uh, I don't think it necessarily goes by grade levels, like how old you are. I think it goes by your skill level and how quickly you are able to catch on. Okay. I think so. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that as well with the classes. I'm just trying to go through some of the characters mentally, you know, like Willie and, and things like that, where it seems like he came in, he's got a rep and things like, you know, along those lines, but... How would he have survived so long exactly. as a pacifist? Right. So it really feels like everyone we're interacting with is first years, except for maybe Chico. Mm-hmm. Chico feels like an upperclassman. Um, is there any, Maybe Lex feels like a jaded upperclassman in some kind of way. Yeah, I could see that. Victor. There's definitely Victor, a, a yeah. reputation mm-hmm. thing, I think, that maybe everyone's holding each other up, but they don't actually have too many years maybe together. Not sure what's going on with that. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out really what their more history with, with the King's Dominion is. Mm-hmm. But in my vision of the show right now, the way they're doing it is that most everyone we're introduced to were first years. Because I feel like to keep the situations that pop up fresh and have everyone be surprised and have actual a realm of danger, they need to not have had a history of doing this every single day and not be like, oh, this is just normal. Right. You know, the teacher poisons us all the time. <laughs> oh, you're, this is your first time? Yeah. And by them being first years, it allows an obvious way to explain to the audience what's going on because if they weren't they would know what's going on and therefore we would have to be like oh well we don't know we're new to this and then it'd just be exposition through upperclassmen being like well this is the class where this happens and the teacher does this then it's just Harry Potter and we don't need Harry Potter I mean, we like Harry Potter. Yeah, so we maybe we do need Harry maybe Potter. Maybe we do need Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, but let's go ahead and talk about Maria and Chico really quick, because that was such a big moment earlier in the day where she goes and gives him the fish root, whatever the whatever the fish leaves were, <laughs> mm-hmm. and now he's taking her out to dinner. It's a super romantic evening, seven-star romantic evening. Uh, this was like creepy vibes Biggest for me. Idol. Very. Oh, yes. Oh, very creepy. Very, you could sense something was going to happen, but you never know with their uh, dynamics in that relationship. So we were all just kind of waiting for it. You know, who's going to make the next move? Is it Maria? Is it Chico? We don't know. And when they introduced the friend, I thought he was a killer. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought something was going to happen to Chico again, but nothing keeps happening to Chico. (laughs) So, what were your um, initial thoughts with this evening? Did you, was there at any point where any of you were like, okay, Chico and Maria, all right. No. This could could be a thing. No. No? No? (laughs) There is not a single part of my mind that thinks Maria is naive enough to kind of fall for what what could be classified as charm? I don't see it as charm. I see it as straight-up manipulation. And I don't think Maria is naive to fall for that. I think she is just scared. And the whole thing is weird because he knows she tried to have him killed and said, I want to marry you. I love you. But don't do that again. <laughs> don't try to have me killed again. So yeah. Well, and if she does it again, she'll cross him. So we are introduced to the friend, and then he pulls out a pistol and... Pops a cap in his friend of a friend that he had to show respect to, which honestly, the most sincerest form of flattery is a bullet in the head. I, I mean, saying. in King's Dominion, right? Oh yeah, that's what that's they say. The- yeah, <laughs> uh, they say this. I don't see, I don't see this relationship lasting. Everybody, I no. don't know. No, I don't. Does, does anyone have faith 
Let's no, it's out. it's got a timer on it for sure. We're just gonna have to sort of wait it out. See, you know, as I mentioned, who's gonna make the next move? Right. It's it's a big power play. It's here. a definite "I love you to death" situation. So what I mm-hmm. what I am excited about though is the the cues they're building up to Maria having this side of her that we see in this episode, and then having a complete opposite side of her. Uh, we get foreshadowing of that, and again, guys, just so you know, I haven't read any of the graphic novels, so like. This is all just conjecture at this point, so I'm not spoiling anything. Um, we're introduced in episode one that she's taking bipolarism pills. And then in episode two, it's brought up again when she's hanging up in a, hanging out in a room with Saya, where Saya says, don't worry, I won't tell anyone. And then Chico comes in and ruins the mood and makes it, like, super awkward. But a lot of times when people deal with issues that they really have to, like, push down, especially with Chico. Now she's, like, having to push this down further and further. I feel like that's going to create more and more animosity when her other side comes out if she does have an attitude switch and make her a little bit more bat-ass crazy. So I think that day is going to be a bad day for Chico. I agree. Mm. Do you think she takes Chico out, or do you think Marcus takes Chico out? Mm. Early predictions, I guess. I mean, those pills are definitely a foreshadowing... Of some sort, we're going to see Maria do something, I think. Um, you know, she's she's trying to hide it, but it's definitely eventually going to come out. Yeah, I don't know. Are they are they together? I cannot say. Okay. okay. I... Oh, we got spoilers over here? Because the show is following the mm-hmm. graphic novels to a T so far. Okay. Correct. Actually, um, or what does it change? Well, I would it's I would say that the first episode followed the graphic novel very, very well. Uh, the second episode kind of takes a turn, and I think I brought this up last week. Is that I feel the show is going to spend a lot more time developing characters and focusing on backstories and kind of molding the high school atmosphere, whereas the comic kind of mainly focuses on like the the core people and their journeys, not so much these. Uh, I guess you could, they're not really side characters, but people like Victor, Shabnam. Like, I think the show wants to focus more on all of them as a whole, as an ensemble cast, and the high school aspect of it all. Well, what's really cool is they're doing a good job of it so far. Um, When you deal with written, like, graphic novels and things like that, they use so much exposition because you can have a thought bubble that explains so much. Mm-hmm. And they can have a character talk to himself for ten pages about all sorts of things and his thoughts and how he's processing information. And you can't exactly do that in TV very well. Have they, you ever seen anime? Yeah. They do that so well, they great. Do that in internal. anime, but <laughs> yeah. you don't see it necessarily live action. We, yeah. they, they're doing a good job of it, though, with our intros to the episode. Uh, right. This episode, we have Marcus talking to himself in the intro, basically talking about how uh, society is just a bunch of different tribal tribal mind things that lead people to echo their own group that they enter and then stay in that group and then teach that down to the next generation of people and we're all just like fucked up walking around with other people who are fucked up in the same way as us. As opposed to the positive side of saying like, yeah, like-minded good people stick together. This is the opposite. So it is interesting. People in the chat are saying uh, uh, Lil Boof says Chico is a killer with control issues. Uh, Marvin Richardson says he he saw the Chico kill coming at the end of the episode when the friend was introduced. And Nas says, I think the better question is who will be the one to kill Chico? It could be Maria, but I think it's going to be Saya. And a couple, mm. and just to piggyback off of you, Stephen, a couple other people on the chat are saying, like NASA is saying, I think Marie and Marcus will team up. Uh, Tismoy, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is thinking maybe Maria will do it herself. So everyone's kind of all over the board on the chat on this one. I think it's going to be completely unexpected for Chico. 
Mm-hmm. I think that would be the best thing for him. But it's probably going to be really terrible. Again, Blindside murder? Blindside torture. <laughs> like, I feel Ooh. like, because he says, if you cross me again, I'll make you wish you were dead. I feel like that always denotes, like, I'm going to cut your arms and legs off because I'm in the cartel and you're going to live like that and you're going to wish you were dead. I think it's going to be straight up, like, she blindsides him, gets him tied to a chair and just... Mm-hmm. But we'll see. It's all conjecture. Let's move on to, you know, a very important part of our show where I like to tell you guys about something that I really enjoy, and that is ZipRecruiter, because ZipRecruiter helps us keep the doors open and keeps this place running because they support us, just like you fans, because ZipRecruiter's just like you fans in that you support us. And let me tell you, you know what's not smart? What's not smart? What's not smart are job boards that send you candidates that are not qualified for the role that you posted. And you know what? When you're dealing with King's Dominion, you're going to want somebody who's good at what they do. Am I right? That is true. That's right. So you know what is smart? Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash buzz to hire the right person. Because unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience and it actively invites them to apply to your job or visit you at King's Dominion. I don't know. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. So, guys, right now, my listeners, our listeners, people who love AfterBuzz TV, all of you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, web address ZipRecruiter.com slash buzz. That's B-U-Z-Z. If you love this show, so your support and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash B-U-Z-Z. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-U-Z-Z. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh, we really appreciate our sponsors. And I really appreciate everything going on with Shabnam because he's one of my favorite characters now. Is he really? I mean, I was just introducing him, not really. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'll give him he's this. He's pretty great. He's relatable. He is. He's the brevity to, like, the dark situations that are going on in King's Dominion. Exactly. With that house party, too? Perfect. 20000 20000 Does he's anybody ready. have $20,000 I can borrow? I'm not surprised that they do. They're all... Yeah, I'm not... I'm just curious what she'd say for all the other characters. Hmm. Hey. Ooh. Ooh. This seems like a fun game now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not one we should play on air. No. <laughs> so, uh, we're introduced to this character, Shadnam. I want to know what your thoughts are on this character so far, just from this episode. Uh, and I'm going to tease you with something that I think, just to see where you go with it. I think he's going to be the dirtiest, creepiest mofo ever when it comes to killing people. Ooh. I could see that. Cause it's like like the sickest and like, like the most. Like just a, he's the torturer. Just You're, like imagine him cleaning knives, talking about mm-hmm. how he's running for class president, and how it's like you know it's just so much work to tie your tie in a double wins or not. Like you know, oh these knives are so nice. Like just yeah, he's definitely a, weirdo. Be a serial okay. killer type with the very serial method killer type. And yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. I see you going going for the twist there with that because he seems so docile so far. <laughs> But so it's I, creepy. I, I haven't gotten too many creepy vibes from him, but so I haven't you've fallen seen. fallen for it already. Oh <laughs> yes, I have. Um, but yeah, I, I liked his character. Like you said, it added a lot of uh, you know levity to the show, to the dialogue, and I thought we were going to see him sort of maybe grow a little bit more. But who knows? Maybe he does have a secret dark side to him. And you know how you find out about somebody's dark side. 
by being roommates with them. Oh. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on this development? I was a little worried at first. Well, not necessarily worried, but how Shabnam is introduced in the comics is by being Marcus's roommate. So at first when he was just introduced, I was like, oh man, they're not roommates. And then it happened at the end. And I was like, yes! Good stuff. You got what you wanted. I did. Well, it's just like small little things seeing connect just make me very happy. Right. So we'll see more of his character, which mm-hmm. I'm excited for. What do you think is his attitude towards Marcus right now? Because I couldn't really tell. He seemed, like, upset, but I also don't know if he's upset because he no longer has a room to himself or if he's upset because of the house party. Does he blame Marcus for the house party? I think he likes Marcus. I thought so, yeah. too. Right? I thought he Marcus, was upset about the house Mar- party, for sure. upset about I'm the sure. house party. Okay. okay, let's be real. Who wouldn't be upset about that house party? Someone shat on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, also, Marcus is the only one who's not mean to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like he would like him. People in the chat, Marvin Richardson says, Shab is good with poisons, possibly. Says, okay. like, that's their suggestion. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a good poisoner. Which would make sense. I would not want to live with that as a roommate. I'd be afraid to drink any water bottle or use any of my pre-workout or anything. I'd be like, no. I would have to keep it a lot safe. Mm-hmm. But then maybe he's good at opening lots safes. That is an interesting point that they bring up, though, because I'm curious if in further episodes we're going to learn if every student has, like, a specialty Something they are, something Ooh. they um, excel at. Excel yeah, at. that would be interesting. I like that. I, I like that as well. I, I definitely think we saw something a little bit earlier with Marcus's, you know, lock picking skills. Mm-hmm. That was like lock picking plus one hundred or something <laughs> type skills there. So he's got the skeleton key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, used a hairpin. Um, and do you think anyone actually is taking note of his impressive skills? Because we'll get to Marcus soon, but like. Do you think anyone's taken note or actually impressed by him? Or is it just like, you can pick a lock? Lynn Lynn. and Saya, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Lynn and Saya, good point. Mm -hmm. So, we love Shabnam, or I love Shabnam. Y'all can just join your anti-Shabnam club. We're still going to vote for him for president. I like him, just in a, you know, creepy, twisty way. I'm excited to see what he does. If he, if he acts like a super corrupt politician after he becomes class president, that would be a pretty hilarious storyline. Or he starts talking, I'm Frank Underwood, I'm the new president here at uh, King's Dominion. I'm going to go ahead and move on now. Uh, <laughs> Billy and Petra, the saddest storyline, even though the, oh, cause the funeral was hilarious. No. Yeah. You just dredged that up some terrible heart. feeling. Yeah, we go from like such brightness of Shabnam to Billy the and brightness. Petra. Oh, yes. So Billy loves... Petra, or he has a crush. Uh, I think it's adorable. I do, too. Do you think she hooked up with Victor? No. Okay, okay. I was going to ask you guys this exact same question. I feel like she didn't really hook up with Victor. She just made it look like it because she didn't want to reject him. But I feel like that's the worst way to reject him is by making him think, oh, you're going to hook up with someone who he obviously assumes is far better than him. Who has Mm -hmm. a very large penis. Apparently. Right. It's pretty much been proven by the writing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think she did either. But I think we're gonna find out a reason. It's something deeper to why she doesn't, or didn't want to hurt his feelings, or didn't want to talk to him. I think it's gonna be something deeper. Not just I don't think he's cute. I think it's something behind it. What do you? Here's here's my question. Do you think? Do you think she wanted to let him down hard to end it there? Or do you think it's a deeper-seated reason within her that she's afraid to get close to somebody? The latter. Okay. Yeah, I I definitely got those vibes off of Petra. Um, She seemed to hesitate a lot, said she didn't know what to say, and so, you know, 
a situation where she's running off with another character is definitely probably more of an escape mechanism, if anything. I just imagine Victor being like, hello, we are in the room. You ready to do this? And she's like... I, I gotta go character. powder my face. <laughs> He's like in there for an hour, like, where is Petra? We were going to go. I mean, he does come out of the room naked for the rest of that show. He might have just been prepared for when she re enters the room, and then Steven does the Russian, where is she? She's taking too long. And then he goes outside. I can't do it as good he, as you. He, yeah, he was like, he went up to the room, got naked, came back down. Uh, my question also is. What was the saying? I forgot to write it down. In KGB, we have saying it is uh, it is brains with cock or something. I forgot. No, it was no. something with dildo and face. Yes. Oh yeah, like you are either you are either a dildo <laughs> yeah. or you are a face. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. That's what they say. You know, you can't question Victor. Um, Nas says, "I love Victor, even though he's a little too casual with racist Barbie." Mm, okay. I mean, do you think there are connections between the white supremacist party and the Russians in? In this, and do you think that I just realized how that sound political? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think I think they all just interact with these different characters. Honestly, you know, all all of all of these the classmen are going to interact with each other, and they're just sort of adding Brandy's character in there as you know something that maybe not every. N- people aren't really going to agree with, but it's sort of adding a contrast, you know, to some of these more, um, you know, Marcus's character and, and the characters with, you know, a lot of morals and, and uh, you know, moralistic standing. What's great about Brandy's character and Victor's character and kind of a lot of the characters is not any one of them are really more stereotyped than the other. Like, mm-hmm. Brandy is a huge stereotype. Like, let's be mm-hmm. honest, like... She fits a... Bill, I think it's like mm-hmm. the South will rise again. It's like yeah. eh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit heavy-handed. But then it Victor is. being like in KGB, we have this saying, and then you have obviously like Willie has to keep up his gang front, and then you have Chico being like super cartel. So I mean, it makes sense that everyone's like so far the stereotypes of their political affiliation. Exactly, and we'll dig our heels in a little bit deeper as the uh, season continues and hopefully see some more, you know, dynamic, uh, you know, backstories behind these characters. So, lastly on this topic, let's go one by one. Billy and Petra endgame, yay or nay? Mm, I'm going to say nay. I read for it, but I'm going to say nay. Yay. Yay. All right, I'm going to say... I'm going to say one of them is going to die, so it's not going to happen. Whoa. Ooh. So that's technically a nay. <laughs> right. No, because technically if they're together and one of them dies, they are endgame. You said yay or nay. Okay. You gave us we, two. Yeah, yeah, you didn't say we can like, yeah. give our reasoning. There's um, a third option right. now? There's always a third option. You just have the illusion of choice, Bandersnatch. All right, Ooh. let's go ahead and get into Willie. So this was the in, this is one of the most interesting storylines this episode because we get his backstory. Obviously, this is the story they choose to jump back into the animation style for, which Very I'm cool. loving. I hope we get mm-hmm. one every episode Love it. in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't always need to be an origin story. Um, these are some pretty terrible origin stories for people who don't even get superpowers, though, let's be honest. What did you all think of Willie's backstory and how he's handling the situation now? Do you think what he's doing is appropriate for his situation? You go ahead, Raven. What he's doing as far as the bragging and all of that? As far as the bragging and hiding his status. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I did love the comic, too. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Um, and he, you remember last episode, I was really upset with him for being a punk. 
That's what because he's a liar. And so uh, that continued with this episode because he was all the bravado, but learning his story, then it's like, oh, okay, okay. I get it. I so get you it do now. forgive him for I do. kind of the way he's been acting? I, I do. Okay. Well, we saw a little bit of motive, uh, essentially, from, you know, all of the bragging, and obviously it's it's, you know, hurting Marcus in this episode, but... We saw a motive for him to do it. He is doing this out of fear. He legitimately thinks that if he doesn't keep up his rep, he will die at this school. So, you know, we have an understandable motive, you know, fear. That's what a lot of people are operating on here and sort of keeping up the appearances. I did like the integration of the comic, um, you know, comic, the art style in this. And I hope they keep doing that backstory thing every episode because I love a good backstory. I also agree obviously I love the fact that they are integrating the comic into the TV series I will say it's it's a little bit different in the actual comic but I I get why Willie is putting up this facade Mm -hmm. because he needs to uh, like protect himself and it kind of almost bothers me that Marcus is like no just you know stop lying and just be like he's almost kind of just like be yourself and it's like Marcus you don't I feel like he just doesn't get it and it's that's kind of frustrating me because mm-hmm. you can tell like Angelica was saying everyone operates on fear they're all putting up this facade to protect themselves yeah, yeah. and I mean here's the thing we're introduced to Billy and we're introduced to Marcus and we know about them but I'm going to pose a question to y'all. Do you think anyone in the class's rep is real? Aside mm. from Chico, who's proved Dang. it. Dang, I was going to say Chico. But let me preface it with the beginning of this episode was everyone in class and Lynn telling them no one actually did the task. Nobody killed anyone except for Willie. Mm-hmm. Very true. Do you think everyone's putting on a facade and they're all just weaker than what their rep says. Yes, and I think that's what makes them so interesting is because there's a lot of gray area in, you know, there's a lot more reason maybe they don't want to be here, maybe they do want to be here. And I think by putting up this facade, it just adds more intrigue to their characters. Oh, intrigue. I just, I get a, oh, I'm confused that they found Marcus, they seem they had to find him and set up that whole kind of thing in order to capture him. Mm-hmm. But then he knows nothing about anyone there, it seems like now. Lynn. I, I saw him kind of as a God character. So now it's like he knows nothing himself as far as who the kids are. It's what it's starting to feel like. Well, here's an interesting piece of information that we've learned this episode is that Lynn has access to FBI files. So I think that Lynn doesn't... Lynn has an information network based on his sources, I believe. And his sources only know as much as what the information and their detectives have reported. So when the detectives are reporting what happened with Willie, it would make sense that aside from Willie and his mom, nobody else would know. Lynn wouldn't know the truth behind it. Obviously, that was years ago. So if Lynn had somebody literally bribe Willie's mom, I don't think that would make sense. Uh, And then also with um, Marcus... Everyone said that Marcus did this. So all the reports said that Marcus was, was the one who burned the orphanage. So, I mean, I feel like if everyone knows it except Marcus, then it would make sense that Lynn believes that as well. Well, mm-hmm. not anymore. Not anymore. Saya. Saya. Tell him Which the truth. Which I am very curious on how she knows. 
So let's talk about the scene. This was a really good scene between Saya and Lin. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, we learned that the chip represented um, Saya being his, Marcus being Saya's pledge. Basically, anything bad that happens for Marcus gets credited to her, and anything good gets credited to her. So the kill, she wanted to tell Lin because that kill means that he passed the class mm-hmm. and she also passed that test. So mm-hmm. helps her out. What do you think of this whole situation where she's revealing Marcus's greatest weakness to Lynn? What do you mean? I exactly. mean, do you think this is do you think this is all for Lynn to manipulate him, or do you think this is for Lynn to have something over on him? I oh, no, okay. you can go. Well, it seems like he, judging by the fact that he didn't know um, Marcus didn't do the kills, he's also shocked himself. I don't think he's trying to... Well, I didn't think in this moment, I thought last episode, that he's trying to manipulate him, that he's just trying to mold him, I guess. Kind of the same thing in a certain kind of way. Um, So, yeah, now I'm confused because the last episode I did... Like, I did think, oh, he's trying to manipulate him into doing whatever. This episode, I felt like he's really trying to train him, and now he gets this information, and so now what do you do with him? I think Lynn is starting to kind of realize that Marcus is the most desensitized to a lot of things. Like, you can tell, obviously, people, even in the very beginning, when Victor was like, all I was able to get was a a jaywalker or something like that, you can tell that they're not really good assassins, and you can tell that they probably have some restraint and fear in having to actually go for the kill. I feel Marcus, just given everything that he's been through, is so detached from kind of humanity at this point that he's the easiest for Lynn to mold. And so he wants to know as much as he can, which is why he assigns Saya to her. Well, what I think is interesting, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too, is let, we're, we're moving into Marcus now, of course. Obviously, he's our, he's our last thing to talk about. But before we actually move into Marcus, I want to know about AfterBuzz TV because it's something that has to do with after shows or something, right, Veronica? Yeah, and before we go on to Marcus, we just wanted to say thank you for making us the ESPN of TV Talk. And for us to continue to grow, we could definitely use your help. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channels. We have so much content here for you guys to check out. We have animation. We have fantasy and superheroes, which you are on now. We have drama. We have comedies. We have it all. So if any of those sound awesome to you, which they probably all do, you should definitely subscribe to our YouTube channels. And if you worry about notifications, you can turn them off and then go at your leisure. Please give us, you can, oh, excuse me, you can also check us out on iTunes. Please go there. Leave us a comment because we love seeing your comments and give us a rating. And thank you for being a part of AfterBuzz TV. It has meant so much to all of us, obviously, like we get to sit here and talk about some wild shenanigans going on at King's Dominion and we obviously love that we love being able to interact with you and seeing your passion for the show as well so thank you all for supporting us in doing what we love awesome so I love talking about Marcus this is going to be an interesting segment because I want to know what you guys think what what you think of Lynn's decision to bring Marcus to the funeral obviously um, we don't need to recap the episode but Marcus was dealing with PTSD throughout the episode self-medicating himself with tons of alcohol um, Rory was a bully Marcus was bullied by him Rory has a very big problem with bullying so he's interacted with all of these characters whether it be Lex whether it be Victor whether it be anyone throughout this episode um, obviously Brandy calling them out because he says he hates bullies. So he's painting a huge target on his back throughout the entire episode. Mm -hmm. And then throughout this, he's dealing with the PTSD of actually doing something about it. 
which is a really interesting dynamic they've put within his mind where it's like the moment he does something about it, it's a murder, and now it's like eating him inside. What did you think of how they treated his first kill versus how they treated him at the funeral? Wait, what do you mean? Sorry. It was pretty true. I True to, you know, how he previously spoke about Rory. I think he had a moment of guilt where he thought, oh, I'm in front of the family. I should probably say something nice. That's usually how this goes. And then he kind of broke that script and, you know, went on to share his real actual thoughts and experiences with Rory. So I thought that was a, br- a pretty big character-defining moment for Marcus. And a good training technique on Lynn. Lynn's part. Yeah, because that, I, I feel like he was conflicted because he killed someone. But the the realization of what Lynn said in the first episode when he talked about why he killed who he killed, they're bad people to him. They deserved it. And so Marcus let go of that because he, he killed someone, so it just felt bad. But at the funeral, he's matching up with Lynn now, which is, he's a piece of... Well, it's also the first time I think we get to see him be real. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of this show, he's hiding who he is, and he's just, like, trying to get through there. He hates bullies, obviously, but it's the first time he, like, says something truthful, aside from when he's talking to Saya or sometimes Maria. But this was, like, a real true moment, portrayed really well by Mm -hmm. Benjamin, uh, the actor who plays Marcus. Um, I really liked it. I thought the funeral scene was a really good uh, tee-up. I thought... The, the tee-up where we get the fact that Lynn discovers that Marcus is not the person who burned the orphanage and the introduction of Fuckface. Mm. Um, as we see, Lynn is being a mentor to Marcus and providing that closure that Marcus needs. And I think this is really opening the box on this character's arc for this, whether it's this season or the series, that what better way to get closure with the orphanage fire than to figure out who it was that actually said it. And I think that's what we're setting into motion right now. And Lynn is going to guide him down a murderous rampage of figuring out who did the orphanage. Ooh, I just got chills from hearing that. I'm excited to see what happens with that. It's definitely Lynn fostering Marcus's, uh, you know, inner, I guess, desire for justice and things like that. So I'm pretty excited to see where this leads. Kind of going, piggybacking off of that, this idea of justice and Marcus being... Uh, genuine. I just want to point to a comment. Uh, Ryan in the comments is saying, I think Lynn sees the rage Marcus has against the world that took his whole life from him. Most of these kids are assassins because of their parents, because their parents put them in the school. So it's definitely a different dynamic is that Marcus genuinely is angry and he genuinely does see the issues wrong in the world. A lot of these other kids might not see that because they are more so forced to be here. Marcus is like, well, I've got no other options because the world is terrible to me. So, uh, I totally agree. That's a really great point. I want to also move into our special segment because we are running out of time. we got about two minutes left because mm-hmm. I've talked way too much. Um, let's go ahead and get into the Assassin of the assassin. Week. All right. Who's our Assassin of the Week, Miss Angelica? Our Assassin of the Week is Danilo Illich. Sorry if I'm saying this name wrong. Illich was a Bosnian Serb and a member of the Black Hand Secret Society. He coordinated the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand and consequently started the First World War. According to history, Danilo coordinated a group of six assassins to kill the Archduke and break off Austria-Hungary's South Slav provinces so they could be combined into Yugoslavia. And he started a war with it. How crazy was that? 
So, ironically, assassins aren't known for being famous, as we tried to research them and realized that the only ones that are famous are the ones that get caught, right. yeah. which mm-hmm. doesn't really make them the best assassins, I guess. But this guy is interesting because if World War I hadn't happened, Hitler would have never happened, which is kind of a weird thing to think about, where yeah. this is the chain of events that sets in motion the entire century of the 1900s. The butterfly effect. And this assassin, or assassin coordinator, I like to say, made history books. <laughs> He did. Uh, guys, we are out of time, and I want to talk about this show way more with you guys. But you know how people can talk about it way more with us? How? Online. Online oh. through social media. And comments, where can we find you guys as we move towards next week? Yeah, again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. I'm Veronica Valencia. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. Angelica. I'm Angelica Trey. You can find me on Twitter at A-Trey, A-Y-Y-T-R-A-E. And I'm Raven French, and you can find me at Raven French on all social media. And I'm at Stephen Lemieux. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Deadly Class After Show. I really enjoyed this episode. It was really great hosting with you guys this week, and I'm really excited for more weeks. We have Fuckface coming in February 25th. Oh, Woo-hoo! yeah! Uh, Tom Stevens is the actor. He's going to come in, and then we're working on some more guests. We might have one for you next week. Stay tuned to our Twitters yes. if you want to know about it. Tune in next week for this Season 1, Episode 3, Snake Pit. Which, if this was noise, 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 I can only imagine what the snake pit is. So guys, stay with us, and we will see you next week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.